1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 20. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral or idolaters or adulterers or men who practice homosexuality or thieves or the greed or drunkards or revilers or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our Lord God. All things are lawful. Not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is for the stomach, and stomach is for the food, and God will destroy both it and them. The but the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. And God raised God raised the Lord, and will also raise up by His by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Should I take the members of Christ and then make them members? Of a prostitute? Of course not. Do you not know that the one who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so therefore glorify God in your body. Why does he remind them that they were these things? You were these things. Yeah? Okay, so there's certainly people who have become Christians who have been guilty of these things. They were these things, not supposed to be those things anymore. Yeah, I, I, a part of me is wondering if there's still some of this. Then he's trying to remember. Remember, you used to do these things. <laughs> we don't do these things anymore. Right? I, I think there might be a little bit of that. Um, if if uh, if my kids don't have a problem with a particular behavior, then I don't really harp on it too much. Right? This is, we, we talk a lot about certain things, repeatedly, uh, and, and I have to remind them that we don't do these things, right? Well, we obviously do, otherwise I wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> so, uh, but it's, it's a way that we try to um, give them an image that they aren't to behave this way. It's, it's a, a mind game, I guess, in a way. So... So they obviously there is some issues with this, um, because this topic, the general topic of, of sexual immorality, goes on for a number of chapters. So it's obviously an issue here. I mean, we've already seen last chapter that that some elements are clearly problems that haven't been dealt with. So it wouldn't be a stretch to to say that other similar things are still there. Um, And he clearly says, such were some of you. So he knows who they are. The things that I used to do, they don't go away. I mean, they, even if I'm not doing them, it's, they're still weak spots, right? They're still blind spots that we have. We bring those to the table, right? That, that's their part of us. Um, once you've got a weak spot, that's probably where you're going to err. So, um, 
What is the reference to the kingdom of heaven here? Verse 9. I said the kingdom of God. Okay. I think he's talking about eternal life. You're right. Mine does say kingdom of God. I don't know why I said kingdom of heaven. So, the idea of the kingdom, and this is what I heard you guys joking here a little bit about the church. In the church, the church. We like to, and I don't know if it's just a church of Christ thing or whatever, but we like to be very specific about all our definitions. And, and words and phrases can only mean one thing, right? The church can mean more than one thing. The kingdom can mean one, more than one thing. When we isolate the church and say the church is one thing, right? this is the only way you can use that word in a sentence without being struck down by lightning, that's not accurate. Uh, the kingdom, while the Bible talks about the kingdom with reference to the people, here it's obviously talking about a place where the people will be in the future. Right. I think the word inherited, inherited right. is also yeah. indicative that he points to that. Right. So, so he's identifying that there's a different state of us in the future, and that also is a part of that. That's that's a supplementary definition or whatever you call it in in uh, uh, God's. Uh, Bible lexicon, third edition, right? This is a, a reasonable usage. Uh, to use the word kingdom uh, to refer to heaven is fine. So don't feel that we can only use the word kingdom to refer to the church. And uh, so, uh, so why this particular list? He gives a list of things here. These are certainly not all the list of things that will eliminate you from your eternal reward. So why this particular list of things? He says sexually immorality, uh, immoral, uh, the idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers will inherit. These are the things that will not allow you to inherit. Why this list? It's certainly not the exhaustive list of sins. Okay. 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 This may be what this particular church okay. is dealing with. Okay. Oh, yeah, I think we're getting close to it right there. I think the things in this area, this is the weak spots of their culture. We, we see the first half of the list is all around the topic of sexuality. And we know that's an issue. But we also have the lower part of the city that has a major port, and it is a very financial district. And, and it's lower class. And you, you can see how this, remember, our topic is unity. You can see these two completely separate sections of Corinth um, struggling with maybe class envy, right? Well, those people got to come down here to buy their bread eventually, you know. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, living in Ukraine, I, I saw this firsthand. 
you would, I mean, there was everything, everything in town came with a fee. Well, that affected the lower class people. Well, guess what? All those upper class people have to go to the Saturday market to buy stuff. And you know what I saw everywhere? They weigh stuff on scales. And I saw, I, I saw what, what the Bible talks about, un, uh, uh, unrighteous scales. <laughs> it shaved off the weights. I've seen it. They're like, okay, you take from me, I'll take from you on Saturday. And that's just all. He says, uh, he talks about uh, swindlers here. You can just see that. You can just see this going back and forth between the two classes. Um, greedy, uh, certainly, um, alcoholism. All these things. This is the, I think, the the problems that the community deals with. Um, so, I want to talk about two in particular in the version I read. Uh, it's only listed as one, and um, you, depending on your version, it might be two. Uh, if you're reading from the ESV, which I am. It's one or a modern version of the NIV or the New American Standard. It will combine the last two of verse 9 into one called homosexuality. If you're reading an older version, it will say various things. It will call them effeminate and homosexual, or it will call them, uh, there's, there's various uh, sodomites or whatever, uh, and I don't want to spend a ton of time here, but I want to talk about people who justify sin. And I think that um, some of this translation that we have going on today is because of our culture uh, and, and trying to, to soften up things to try to avoid conflict, conflict trying to avoid um, confronting a problem in our culture, a major problem in our culture, trying to find a way where I, as a preacher, don't have to talk about unpleasant things. And I don't have to tell people they're wrong. Well, I've got these verses here, and there's a, there's a handful of them in the New Testament, and a few in the Old Testament. Well, I can dismiss the Old Testament with a wave of the palm and say, well, that's the Old Testament. <laughs> But I still got these four or five of them in the New Testament that are, that are a problem to me. So, so I look for things. And, and one of the places that people go to to dismiss things that are difficult is the Greek. We love the Greek so much. We don't speak the Greek. We don't know Greek. But man, if I can find some sort of loophole in some ancient Greek definition somewhere, uh, then I, I will uh, feel comfortable that that I'm so, A, I'm very educated and elite, uh, but now I don't have to confront the sin. And uh, so these are two separate sins, and maybe they are linked at the same basic activity, uh, but, but I think it's interesting that they're, they're very clear. Um, and so I, I want to uh, go into this a little bit. Uh, there's a theory that the first one where it talks about the effeminate um, is specifically a reference to a male prostitute. And they point out there's this temple in town that has male prostitutes. Okay. 
Hold that thought for just a second. And therefore, the, the counterpart to that would be those who patronize those people. And that's the specific sin he's talking about, and that's the problem here in this church or in this city. It's, it, it's just talking about these. Okay, let's, let's, let's put, that under, we'll put that under some scrutiny. That's the argument. That's, that's how this is tried, because you can't get around the fact that this is talking about some sort of sin related to that. So, so that's how they dismiss it. Um, and again, it's only uh, supporters of, of our modern culture that try to point this out. And it's not until very recently that versions have started to change these things to make it very specific in terms of uh, what this is a, a crime of. Um, is this a legitimate interpretation? Obviously, you can tell from my tone of voice what I think. Because as I say, there, there is a occurrence of this at the temple. Is that what he is exclusively, or is that just one application that's wrong? Uh, the words, I just want to talk a little bit about the words, because um, there is a, Paul uses a word here which is uncommon in the Greek language. That is true. He uses a word called, and if you kind of break things apart, andro, with, uh, or no, he uses a word, uh, arsenokoyates. You can kind of figure what koyates means. Um, it means actually just means couch or bed. And, uh, and arseno was a word that means masculine. So it would be two men on a couch. Okay, that's kind of what it means. The typical word for homosexual was androcoitus, which andro is the word man. There's not really a big difference between that. Right? But is there, is there a significance to this? Or is it just the fact that Paul is not a native Greek speaker? He's a native Aramaic speaker. Um, that's possible. But there's really, when we get down to it, there's not really a whole lot of difference between these two words. Um, they really essentially mean the same thing. Um, Well, there's a lot of arguments to that. Um, yeah, yeah. Most of the people who argue that don't believe in God. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting how uh, most of the people who take the argument of how you were made don't really believe in God. Um, but that might be coming into the to various religious circles, I'm sure. Right, right. When when it, when it's convenient, and then and that's kind of the point I was going to get to is after you answer all these things, the religious people will just say, well, you know, the Bible's just you know, it's got some mistakes. When it comes down to it, they're going to find a way around what they don't want to preach or what they don't want to do. So uh, I do want to look at uh, one assertion, however, which is highly inaccurate. If you ever hear it, 
Okay, then, then you, the ears go up. But um, the idea that this is a word, Paul using a word for um, for prostitutes. This is not the word prostitutes. The, the Greek had two words, uh, one a general word and one specifically for male prostitutes. Uh, one is um, hakaira and one is epiroi. Epiroi is specifically a male prostitute. Um, this word is malakos, uh, probably pronounced incorrectly. However, um, it's really just comes from the word bad, um, but it had a colloquial usage of being effeminate. So, um, the word homosexual offenders. Um, I don't. So I don't know your version. Probably only has one word at the end, right? Uh, yes. Okay. After adultery, if you just have one word, then you're looking at a fairly new, newer version. So. Um, so the nature of the sin. Um, someone want to read Romans 1, 24 through 27? Because this to me, I, I know we're in First Corinthians class, but I just want to jump to uh, Romans 1 very briefly because to me this takes all the argument out of it. Because this, Romans 1, verse 24 through 27. Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. So, so this, you can't pull any technical shenanigans here because he doesn't give a title to something. Where you say, well, this is a word that refers to this, and this is a word that refers to... He describes what God doesn't want. Uh, he doesn't leave it to a, a title or a, a, a name of something. He also implies that they yeah. Up and right. Um, and, and so he he just says this is the kind of thing God and 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 he gets very specific. I mean, if you want to argue something from First uh, Corinthians, you could argue that it's only men who have the problem. Right? Girls, you're free to do whatever. He doesn't leave that open in Romans. He's very clear. <laughs> this is what God doesn't want. Right? The Old Testament says one who lies with a man like he would with a woman and vice versa. So, so again, And that is interesting because that's really the root for this word that includes a couch, one who lies down with. Right? Uh, so I don't want to, I've already gone more on this than I want to, but the problem is, is that we have a culture around us that is very much similar to the Corinthian culture, which is trying to justify this. Uh, and we have to be clear where we stand on things and where God stands. Not really clear where I stand. I need to be clear where God stands on things. That's the point. Well, I think in regards to what Kay was stating, uh, there are people who have problems with alcohol. Mm-hmm. 
and other people do not. Right. They were made with that particular whatever it was. That doesn't make it right. Yeah. And, and, you, know, and you have to learn what yeah. you have to do for your particular temptations right. to resist them. Yeah. That's true. We all have intrinsic weaknesses in us. It would seem. It would seem. But I, I, I would see. Based on based on what we've gone through previously, is he's not going to put up with it for too long. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and and let's be also clear. He groups in people who swindle. Or, or do whatever with the same thing. He doesn't like, okay, uh, we need to really harp on you people. Right? It's just a, a, another item in the list of things. And, and, and it comes right on the heels of talking about purging out, getting rid of these Nobody things from the church. Arguing. Nobody's arguing. Well, as a swindler, yeah. I just made that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, you do have people who will will uh, uh, talk about um, kleptomania or whatever things like that. But again, it's a sin, and we still recognize that it's wrong. Right. You know, it might be your temptation, like right. And I, I think if we got down to it, we'd find out that those things really don't have biological roots. They are. Things that we have from the ways that we've dealt with other things that have happened since. Um, maybe some are biological, but. Um, upbringing, it can be traumatic events, it can be all sorts of things. Um, and that's, that's typically, statistically, where you'll find um, that, that these are more um, sourced from. So I want to go into, he goes into now into a, a different type of sexual immorality, and he starts talking about prostitution, but I think in general he's, he's, he's talking more broadly. Um, and, and that's interesting uh, to me, is, is that a lot of people feel like the church is really against one particular thing, but... The Bible talks a lot more about the heterosexual problems than the homosexual. Now, I'm not saying that to diminish because that's well, I just got finished saying that the world around us is diminishing the one. But we've got a, a much larger problem in the world that we just kind of turn a blind eye to um, than, uh, than that one particular sin. So he says all things... Um, oh, let, let's let's look at if you look at First Corinthians chapter six, twelve through nineteen. What is the standout verse? What what verse seems to get mentioned an awful awful lot? Fifteen. Okay, you know that your bodies are members of Christ. I've heard an awful lot about verse 19. Don't we? We hear a lot of usage from this one. 
So we want to talk a little bit about this whole passage with relation to this one verse, because I think it has been misused. How is this used? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? Don't smoke. There you go. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Well, maybe not here. You're near Milwaukee. You don't hear that one. I grew up in the East, so, so I've heard that one. Uh, so, let's talk about this passage as a whole. Um, what does it mean all things are lawful? We just had a long list of things that aren't lawful. <laughs> so, so, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. So, what is he saying? Okay, it's definitely an encouragement to change. We're going to talk about what motivations there are to change. There are a lot of different understandings of this passage. Well, I don't know about a lot, but there are several. Uh, but the one that seems to be, um, or, or a couple of the ones that seem to be, maybe he's saying all things are lawful, and maybe he's referring to things, restrictions from the Old Testament that have been changed. All things are now lawful. Uh, some of the parts of this book will go into the eating of meats and various things like that and causing brothers to stumble. And so, so maybe this is a reference to that. Like, okay, these things are lawful now. Um, I don't know if that's true because of the nature of the topic. Um, I think the idea that he's going to drive it, he's going to be looking at a, con a contrast between different types of sins in this passage. Is it really Paul that's saying it or is he saying that they're sinning? Because my verse says, I have the right to do anything you say. Where we're at? What is what verse? In verse twelve, I always heard everything is permissible and everything is beneficial, but I never saw the part where it said you say. Have the right uh, that's not in there. That's not in there. I don't know what what version are you using? In a yeah. yeah, twelve and twelve and thirteen. It's quoting. It's really they quoting something they say. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. So I'd, I'd go. I mean, that that's an that's a that's not a translation. That's an interpretation. What? Okay. Uh, I was going to say. I think what he's getting at here is, yeah, you have a lot of freedom now. You can do a lot of things, but not everything right. is really good. For yeah, you. I think like this. I, if I'm not being mastered by anything. Yeah, I can do a lot of things, but there's a lot of things that can also take you over. Right. Like alcoholism, things like that, that are addictive. Okay. So I I think you. I think this is. This is he's representing a, a true concept of Christianity here. I don't think he's just referencing a quote here. I mean, they didn't have quotation marks in Greek, so they, there's no like manuscript. Oh yeah, they're quoting somebody, unless unless you know that it's a quote from somebody, um, and this is somebody who's interpreted this as a quote, um, because this is a difficult verse, and so this is one of the interpretations of this concept is that oh this must be an interpretation because I'll certainly not, not all things are lawful, but we've had this this type of terminology before where, uh, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, a lot of translations interpret that, and not translate it, they interpret it and say all kinds of evil, because we know that the love of money is not the root of every kind of sin. But we understand it is, is a reference to all types of. And so certainly, all types of things are lawful and at the same time not beneficial. 
And, and, and he's going, and that's, this is not the main part. He's establishing a concept that he's going to use to reference sexual immorality. He could just be referencing something in the church who said that. It's, it's possible, but, but there's, no, uh, there's no indication other than the fact that somebody somewhere decided to throw quotations around this, that this is a quote. Um, there's, there's, there's simply no reference that this is a quote. Um, and he doesn't say, you say. A lot of times he'll say, you have said, or, you know, um, or Paul will quote a poet. No. Your own poet has said, all Cretans are liars, right? Paul typically cites his sources. Um, so and there's no source here. Um, he says food is for the. Uh, oh, let, let's stay in verse 12. He says, "Now, what are some principles that we have here?" So, what are the principles that of of lifestyle that Paul kind of gets into beyond right and wrong? The food restrictions were gone. Okay. Yep. Oh, I, I, I guess the way I look at this is, um, you know, there, there are things that God made that can be used in their, in their proper way. Correct. Whenever you have, you know, relations with your, with your spouse. Correct. Yeah. Outside of that. Right. Not, not beneficial. Having food. Beneficial. Having way too much food. Correct. Correct. God did not make anything in this world that was wrong. It has been the misuse of Everything that is sin—that's what sin is. There's there's no aspect of existence that is intrinsically wrong. God made the process of fermentation. Sitting there telling me and trying to convince me that alcohol, in and of itself, is a criminal substance—you're not going to get anywhere because God made the process by which that happens. So. I have to be led to one of two conclusions there, and so on and so forth. Um, and narcotics, hard narcotics, there's, there's usages for them. God made the processes by which they grow and can be used. That's just the facts. God made it, it's okay in and of itself, but not all things are beneficial. And the second point here is what? What's the second violation? Having to take over your life. Okay. The domination. Oh, now. Now we've got some things that, that we can reference. And he's establishing, again, he's establishing an idea to come back to sexual immorality, which is weird. But he wants to establish how certain things are wrong. He's going to draw a distinction between these. And that's important. Um, So in verse 12 and 13, uh, they are introduced to some different types of New Testament concepts. We've talked about the Old Testament. Old Testament concepts are done away with, but in verse 12 and 13, uh, we have these new concepts. One is simply maturity, knowing when something is too much for you. Right? Knowing what your limits are, that's a maturity thing. The Old Testament didn't really teach that. The Old Testament just taught lines and boundaries. Like you teach your kids, just don't touch the stove. Right? Just don't touch it, don't go near it. And we always, right, we teach, always. We don't teach, now, 
If you're okay, little kid, right? Because why? Because our kids pull pot of boiling water off and burn their face off, and you know, I mean, that's what happens. Uh, so we just—that's off limits. When you're more mature, we teach them how to use. Uh, but at a certain age, we just teach them no use. Food is meant for the stomach. Stomach is for the food. But God will destroy both it and them. What is this saying? Hmm? Close. What's going to come to an end? Also close. He says food is for the stomach and stomach is for the food. Right? God made these things symbiotic. <laughs> and at some point, I don't need either of them. Right? The things that pertain to mortality um, are temporary. Now, the body itself, interestingly enough, is not temporary. I know this because of the contrast. Now, our body is going to be changed. It's going to be different but I am going to have a body. That's kind of something that's not understood. A lot of times we teach that we're going to be some kind of spirity mists floating through out eternity. That's not what this says. I know this because he contrasts. This is where he begins. He says, food is for the stomach, stomach's for the food. These are temporary, but... And from this point, he switches. He's established his, his, his point of contrast. But the body, right? The body is not meant for sexual immorality. In other words, the body is somehow contrasted with the food and stomach. Right? This is temporary, but the body is for God. God is gonna. God's got long-term plans for this thing, and He's gonna change it, and it's gonna look different. And I have no idea what that's gonna be, but I'm going to be tangible in heaven in some way or form. It just won't be mortal. I won't need food to sustain it. And this is important. Now, I don't know what, what that is. I mean, I have no idea. And I'm talking way beyond here what I can understand or explain. But this contrast is important because it explains the usage and, and, and the concept of sin here. Um, God raised us, God raised the Lord and will raise us up by his power. And in other passages talked about, and we shall be changed. Right? Now we get into this idea where I want to go to where he's going to set up verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? There is something in sexual immorality. There is, it, it's a different kind of sin. I'm not saying it will send you to hell faster. But there is a different thing that it does. And he's contrasting that. He's been talking about all these other sins. And they're sins. Right? Look at, if we go down... Verse 18. Every other sin a person commits is apart from, or yours might say outside of, the body. What does that mean? 
He doesn't say that they're not sins. What does that mean? That's weird. It's a weird statement. He's contrasted this one sin with every other wrong thing you can do. Okay. Who is sexual immorality sin against? Yourself. I want to go back. We've seen this terminology once before. He says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Where have we seen that before? Paul has used that phrase in chapter 3, in verse 16. What was he referencing in chapter 3? What temple? Not, not in chapter 3. In chapter 6, he's talking about me, the body. What body is he talking about in chapter 3? The church. And he's talking about unity. That's really what this book is about. And all the things that destroy unity, and here sin destroys unity. But you remember one of the things we talked about was how unity is a particular, or disunity, I should say, divisions, all those divisions, I'm of this, I'm of that. All these problems that people had, oh, I'm a philosopher, I'm a... I'm a, a Jew who likes signs and all this. All these things that people identified based on, they became a source of division. And the problem with division is it's, it's, it's unique among all the problems that a church faces in that it, the church becomes both the agent and the victim at the same time. Right? I set one group against another group, and, and as God looks at the church, it's like the church is hurting itself. And this one sin, he uses the same illustration now in chapter 6, but on an individual level. This one sin is apart from all other sins, because he says, all other sins are sins apart from the body. Now, he's not saying that no other sin involves the usage of the body, but I want to contrast a couple of different other types of sins before we close here. Sexual immorality employs the body to defile the body. No other sin can say that. Think about the other sins. Substance abuse, right? We've talked about what this passage is used to talk about. It doesn't support this verse by its very context. Paul has said this verse, this context is should be used to support one. The, the, the prohibition of one sin. If you want to talk about alcoholism or, or, or cocaine use or tobacco, or, you're going to have to find another verse because this isn't talking about it. The temple of the Holy Spirit is defiled by one sin. Substance abuse harms the body, but it uses an outside agent to do so. It's separate. It's, it's different. It needs an outside source. 
Hey, gossip or cheating, right? Okay, that uses me, but it harms another victim. Yep. And it's, it's also unique in the fact that the um, what he states in, in verse sixteen, and that does come from the Old Testament, where it says the two will become one. Right. That's right. Something specific we okay. So, and now we're getting into a concept of the body that is it's kind of metaphysical that I don't understand. I don't understand what this means, and there's been a lot of explanations. There's something about the body that I can't see that God sees that is special that will continue, and that's what God is saying. This strikes at something eternal. After the stomach's gone and the foods and all that, something is left behind in my physical body. I can't see it. I don't know what it is. And God says, You strike at that, you defile that. Uh, even hatred. Well, the hatred is a sin, and that will send you to hell. But it it's, doesn't employ the body, and I'm typically, you know, it, I'm neither the physical victim nor the physical agent of it. Like, there's no sin that really fits this particular equation. It's a special sin. It doesn't leave a scar. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, it might, but but it's the it, it, it's. I think it does. I think it does. And I, I think that, that Psalms and Proverbs kind of go into that. I think it, it, there are problems that there are effects. Not that it's worse spiritually for you in terms of whether you'll go to hell or not. That's, I don't want to say that. I don't want to overstigmatize people who have done this one thing. But it is something of a different nature. And, and God does not want us to use the, the passages that we would use to try to convince people of, other, of this to for other reasons. This one principle is a specific principle. So glorify God in your body. <clears throat> this is important. This is what they are struggling with. This is all throughout this church. And it's all throughout our culture. It's all around us. You can't get away from it. Um, so we're going to close there. <clears throat>